You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 94. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. This is Ed K. Smith from The Business Marketing Show. Thank you for tuning in to the episode today. Uh, Here with the co-host, of course, Mr. Brendan Tully. How are you, Brendan? Um, I'm well, Ed. Brendan from the Gold Coast. And we have our special guest today. We have Chris Smoyer from dimecustomerservice.com.au to talk about customer service and customer experience. Um, And I think it's a critical topic that should be combined with marketing because if you're uh, doing a poor job of customer service and customer experience, all your marketing dollars have just been wasted. So thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. Good to have you on, mate. Pleasure, Ed. Uh, look, nice to see you again. We've known each other for a while and uh, look, Brendan, great to meet you as well. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, Chris and I know each other. We've initially met at uh, what is now called um, Professional Speakers Australia, PSA, which used to be NSAA, National Speakers Association Australia. <laughs> um, and uh, we would often see each other at meetings and have conversations. And uh, the last time uh, I saw Chris was when uh, my wife Lois was presenting at the Australian Institute of Management uh, here in, in Perth, giving a talk on career-related stuff. And Chris was there and Chris bought a copy of uh, Lois's book. So he automatically got an invite to the podcast. I'm only kidding. That wasn't the reason. But, <laughs> but, but Lois did say, you should have Chris on the show. It was actually Chris. Chris. It was actually Lois that uh, uh, made me rethink of you. So it, it is, is thanks to Lois. Well, Lois, if you're watching, thank you very much. I hope you're watching. <laughs> don't, don't thank us yet. yet. We, haven't, yet mate, we, haven't, we haven't finished. When, when you're finished, you might think it's worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've had uh, quite a, um, a history working with lots of different companies in this uh, sector of customer service and customer experience. And it's a big topic and there's lots of misconceptions. Uh, a lot of people relate it to just physically retail stores and what it's like when you go into a retail store. But that's only uh, you know, one part of the story. So, so let's go back a little bit. We'll reverse uh, into the story of Chris and how you got into this space in the first place. So um, I, I know there's part of your story is tied in with doing some, some work with uh, Disneyland. So start off from there. What was, what was that experience all about? Well, look, I, my background really is, is that traditional learning and development. And, and I hate saying it because it makes you shudder. Um, about learning and development. It's all about compliance and, and programs and return on investments. And, and I did that in, in, in a number of organisations. And I, I quickly found out that when I was managing a learning and development budget and running a learning and development department, um, there was the compliance and the technical side of training, the OHS stuff that was important. And I really didn't enjoy it. My passion was was the the customer service training so to speak so I, I took a liking to that um and i was fortunate after um spending a few years doing uh customer service training or learning and development with Qantas um at, at the time back in 2010 when they were 
um, when they launched the, the airports of the future, next generation check-in, the uh, automated bag drops. Mm-hmm. I was involved with that project from a, from a training perspective. And, and after that project was, was completed, I, I saw that, um, I, I saw how being involved with customer service as part of an experience for a huge rebrand in such a massive organization was so important when they threw dollars at it and they wanted to make it work. Yeah. So when that project was finished, I, 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 I guess, reinvented my career in the theme park industry uh, and came and worked for Perth's uh, very own theme park, Adventure World. And that was a, a, a fascinating thing coming from, you know, Australia's largest airlines, Perth's uh, biggest theme park. Um, very different budgets, very different size, but ultimately it's all about service and safety. And if, if you think about that transition, basically from, from the aviation industry to, the, to the, the theme park industry, it is just an industry that's obsessed about service, obsessed about fun, obsessed about experiences. And I think every organisation can learn a lot from the theme parks. So to get to your, your question there, uh, a few years into my, my career, uh, as a head of guest experience, I uh, got the opportunity to head over to Florida uh, and attend a, um, an executive business education course run by the Disney Institute. Uh, probably the, the best experience I've had from an educational perspective uh, in my life, uh, the Disney Institute uh, is well regarded as, as the place where organisations from, you know, healthcare to whatever it may be internationally, come to Disney to learn about their time-tested principles. Yeah, I, I actually wasn't aware that that was the thing. I thought it was only an internal thing until I started reading more about it from getting exposed to you talking about it earlier uh, in, in your, on your website and on, um, on LinkedIn, etc. that they did that for other companies. I wasn't aware of that. So what, how long ago was that, Chris? That was 2014, um, mm-hmm. and it's just an interesting thing to distinguish because many of you, your listeners might be thinking the same thing. Um, Disney have Disney University, which is uh, Disney U, and that's um, for their internal staff. They have a huge college for anyone who works at the Disney organisation. Then their second arm is the Disney Institute, and that is purely for external companies to come and learn things the Disney way. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. I didn't, I didn't know that existed, though. So. Um, was that something you had to pay for yourself or were you sent from a company or how did that work? Oh, look, uh, persuaded and negotiated and uh, demonstrated that return on investment, uh, I was sent. Um, and, and I was actually just looking the other day, just as a matter of interest for anyone watching now, um, with the, the exchange rate, a week-long program is around about uh, 10000 Australian dollars. Uh, look, sounds like a lot, but... I thoroughly anyone anyone listening uh, or watching, I'd recommend it anyway if they can. Yeah, cool, fantastic. And so that led you into um, into this space that you're in now. So you, when did you start uh, 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 Dime Customer Service? So I finished the Disney Institute course. Uh, what was the end of 2014? And by the start of 2016, I, I was out on my own. Now. Um, the, the Disney Institute course uh, really gave me, I guess, the inspiration and I got to see how service on a, on a huge scale is so important, number one. Um, and I've been doing, you know, working, doing customer service, learning and development in organisations for probably at that stage about sort of close to 10 years. Um, and I had, I started to get a lot of really kind of cool ideas. Um, 
content ideas, models, um, methodologies that 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 I had sort of kind of created in my mind after working or spending ten years uh, in organisations. And I thought, look, this is such an inspiration after being on this course. I'm going to go and try to spread my wings and rather than just helping one company go through a period of, of customer service transformation, which, by the way, can take years, mm. I thought, why can't I do it for as many organisations as possible? Okay. And so you're working across a whole host of different industries at the moment. Where are the times you feel you're spending the most? What sort of sectors do you, do you get called upon the most? We were just chatting, obviously, with Brendan uh, just off air uh, before uh, about this. Um, the, the sectors that get the most attention, mm-hmm. um, I think, would be retail but and hospitality and tourism. But to be honest, um, it's one of those industries that lack um, money, so to speak, uh, lack the will, lack the, 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 um, the burning desire because their staff are transient. It's the most important, but that's the one that gets the most attention. However, seldom the, the only industry I work with. Um, local government is huge at the moment uh, in terms of activating their precincts, uh, their customers, their businesses. Uh, local government are very, very in touch with their customers, uh, and they certainly, um, particularly here in Western Australia, are, are definitely interested. And also another sector, just to give you a third um, that's that's really transformed in, in the last year is the aged care or disability care industry, I should say. Yeah. Uh, just with the NDIS, putting that that power back into or the funding back into the customer's hands um, where customers now have the choice as to where they go to access uh, disability care. So um, they're probably the three, if I gave you a bit of a cross-section of how um, customer service is not just face-to-face retail anymore. No, and look, so that's where a lot of people have that that sort of daily experiences. It could be going to a coffee shop or in a retail store. So that's probably what most people are thinking of. But in terms of the space that Brendan and I work in, because we're sort of in the digital space, we do have clients that have, uh, you know, the front facing in terms of uh, customer clients as well in, in retail. But most of the stuff that Brendan and I are doing is to do with digital so do you find uh, that you're getting uh, in that space a lot more now? I think, um, and, and I was only just talking about this the other day, uh, and let's use retail as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'll, I'll try and keep this, keep this condensed. Um, it, there's no doubt that online shopping, as an example, being digital is, is huge uh, or is taking momentum across the world. Um, Yet at the same time, uh, retail centres like the Westfield Group, as an example, are putting millions in, in not just, you know, putting a coat of paint on their, their, their shops. They're creating piazzas, outdoor precincts, dining, pubs. Uh, they're making retail a, a face-to-face destination experience, which suggests that uh, face-to-face or brick-and-mortar stores are, aren't dead. But to go back to what you said about digital, I think organisations at the moment, part of their service offering or that service experience is that they'll have something online, uh, online stores, um, chatbots, whatever it might, may be, uh, social media, or social integration, whatever it may be, but they must also have that human connection um, face-to-face because remember online, you don't really get that human connection or that face-to-face interaction um, versus in-store or in-person. 
Yeah, what, what have your experiences been with that, Brendan? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast that the the most successful, so I do a lot of e-commerce consulting, Chris, so one of the most, the generally we have this model or framework that you need to replicate the in-store experience online. And I think a lot of businesses have this kind of expectation that it's high-tech, low-touch, where it's actually, it needs to be high-tech, high-touch. And you need to, I was having a conversation yesterday with a client that, in today's world, the, the website needs to replicate what's happening when someone walks into the physical retail store, or, you know, the, the business or the office, and the most successful businesses do that. Um, I'm curious, what, I mean, in, in, what's a typical engagement for you to look like? Is it, is it training? Is it consulting? Is it a mix of that? Like, how do, how do you work with clients? Like you said, it's a, you know, it can be a long process. The change can be a long process. Is it because like customer service, I don't really know anything about what you do. Like, you know, you know what good customer service is as a customer, but it's kind of this nebulous blob. Like what, how do you work with, with clients? I'm curious because we have a, a one business I'm involved with is, is growing. I mean, we do, I wouldn't say we have a customer service problem, but it's one area that needs a lot of love because it's a higher volume business. It's an online business. I'm just struggling myself right now to kind of get the staff up to speed to the, you know, to meet the expectations the customer customers have in terms of responsiveness and, and turnaround time. So, yeah, can you talk about that a little? Yeah, I, I can. Look, uh, when I was talking about all these ideas I had in, in terms of service, um, and I even evaluated, you know, why is customer service a problem? Uh, customer service is not new. It's been around for, you know, I reckon 2,000 years ago on the River Nile, they were, they were practicing customer service as they traded goods. Um, it's not a new topic, yet it seems to, at least since you know the internet started or even since uh, telephone call centers started in the 60s, it hasn't really evolved in terms of the way we talk about customer service. So they talk about it as you've got to smile, you've got to give eye contact, you've got to, you know, those, and those cliche things like, oh, the three-meter rule. And, and, and when people hear that, they, they roll their eyes and they, they get disengaged. So as part of that offering, I made it very clear that I had to come up with something compelling enough and something long enough uh, that wouldn't just be a one workshop wonder. CEOs and business leaders at the moment, as I'm sure you're aware too, even though times are tough, the economy might not be performing as well. I think CEOs are more uh, understanding to the fact that even if they have a thousand bucks to spend, Spending a thousand dollars on one session, as a, just as, a, as an example, is not going to achieve anything. So they're actually putting, you know, more money into 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 a, a long program, and that gets into what I do. Um, so that it's a combination of potentially uh, workshops, or even just a keynote presentation in an organisation, uh, or some one-on-one tutoring. I probably wouldn't say coaching in a way, but implementing stuff from the the, the classroom into the workplace, on the floor, uh, advisory meetings. So for instance, if there's a new project or a new, as an example, I'm working with a client at the moment who is opening a new store uh, in retail. So we'll be involved with helping them with that new store as well. So um, there's no limit as to how far you go. It's just, as a, a, it's just a question as to, does the, the business owner want to invest in a program, which a lot of them are, uh, or do they just want to look at one skill or one uh, focus area or, you know, one professional development day uh, and do something very short and targeted and very inspirational. So full ends of the spectrum. 
And, and one thing I want to just, sorry, also say is that there are, there's been some organisations that don't even have a face-to-face business and a lot of the things that I, that, that I work with, I can actually apply to the online world. You can take the principles of customer service and just implement them online instead of face-to-face. Uh, there shouldn't be a, a, a large contrast, in my opinion, and it seems to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, com- completely agree. Go, Brendan, you had something else to say. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious, like as a starting point, where, where will you start? What, what's the kind of starting point you have with a, you know, a small to medium business looking to improve their customer service? Yeah, Ed um, mentioned earlier that, you know, he, he met me through professional speaking or Professional Speakers Australia. And, and one thing I don't do enough of that I, that I thoroughly enjoy is, is keynote presentations now uh, and at conferences. Now, I, I find that any organisation is a starting point. Um, it, no matter how good you are, the topic is still mundane. People think, oh, customer service. They think, oh, it's either a compliance exercise or... Um, oh, someone in the team is stuffed up, so we've all got to go through customer service training or, um, you know, this is just, yeah, tick boxing stuff or we can't learn anything new when it comes to service. So my very first starting point is to get everybody in the room and just do a one-hour, 90-minute punchy session that opens their minds up, gets them thinking differently, gets them thinking, oh, actually, customer service isn't that bad. Uh, Oh, you know, it felt like, we started five minutes ago, but it's been a whole hour. So um, that's my starting point. And I try and recommend that to everybody because if you're not getting the staff on board at the start um, and remembering they have those negative connotations when it comes to customer service, um, that's the battle that I always like to deal with at the start rather than um, getting into big programs and, you know, making people feel uncomfortable. You're taking them on a, on a, on a, on a very um, not long journey but everything you do is for a reason and that's how i start mm-hmm. and how do you delineate well like what's the the boundary between sales and customer service obviously very related is there a clear is there a framework that you use to kind of separate the two that i mean in a physical retail experience they're kind of rolled into one but you know in other businesses that there's very clear sales guys and customer service so how, what are your thoughts on that or do you have a way of framing that well, I, I don't spend any time dealing with, with sales. I don't run sales training. Uh, it's so funny. Sometimes you get phone calls, and I'm sure you guys get this in, in, your, in your particular work as well. They call up and they say, we need a sales trainer. trainer. And I say, uh, you know, you mean customer service? And they say, yeah, 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 customer service sales. That's what we mean. And you say, no, 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 no. customer service. They say, yeah, customer service sales. Um, so I, I don't broach in the area of, of, custom, of, of sales. Um, I do have some, um, I guess, modelling and uh, metrics around how service does lead to physical improvements in in the organisation. That's the starting point. But then I want to also uh, add another industry I I do a lot of work with, and that's the car sales industry. Um, And what I typically find is they are firstly moving towards customer service and customer experience. You can only flog, and even in the building industry, uh, if they're not building houses and selling houses, they're not making any money. So they tend to put more into service and sales because there's no other way that they can can make money. So I feel that there's a little bit of a shift between engaging sales coaches and sales trainers um, versus going to customer service. But 
even in the car sales industry, I think um, a lot of organize, the car sales industries that I've worked in, um, they've already engaged someone to do sales and they bring me in to... to, to yeah. They're two very different things because, as I mentioned in earlier conversations with you, Chris, I come from a, a, a customer service background in terms of what I did um, in, in several different industries. But then I, I started going into more sales-based uh, industries. I was selling new homes and real estate for a few years. And a lot of the guys who I worked with in, in sales, that was all I knew was the sales. They completely fell over with the, with the back-end customer service or the experience. Um, and the whole time that I was selling homes, I never had uh, a deal fall over, as they would call it. Uh, and typically, they would fall over for many reasons, usually because the salesman told them a lot of crap and promised things that they were never actually going to get. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but also, it was the experience around how they were getting dealt with after the sale. And uh, that can often be something that people have a really terrible time with is they get promised the world. And then when it comes to actually delivering the goods, there's zero service and zero good experiences. How, how do you see that? Uh, is that a common thing that you come across? Yeah, definitely. And we can already start to see how this typical program would unfold. But um, what you just said then is, is really a, an example of, of, of a, an issue with culture. Now, I'm not a, a, an expert on culture. I don't profess to be. But um, one probably key thing that is related in culture, as you just said then, is, oh, um, you know, the salesman will promise everything, but the aftercare person, the after-sales person... Um, either can't deliver or doesn't deliver on the promise from the salesperson and there's that tension there. So the first thing that, that, I, that I focus on is, is you've got to, or one of the things I focus on is this, this internal customer service, um, serving others internally. Now, if I can probably just simplify it in, in you know, maybe one or two ways, um, the first thing is, is, you know, removing those lines of hierarchy and that it becomes invisible where everybody is trying to do something uh, for the customer. Mm. It, it, the, the thing is, is that often we find, you know, uh, the after sales person is too afraid to go to the salesperson and say, look, John or Mary, when you're selling the car, can you do X, Y, Z? Because the salesperson is too protective of their job and, oh, they can't do anything uh, that will take more time because they don't have enough time as it is. But at the same note, the, you know, the aftercare person has a harder time dealing with it. But this problem exists because nobody's comfortable with challenging one another for the best interests of the customer. Um, debate when it comes to customer service in an organisation is actually quite healthy. Uh, the organisations that do succeed are the ones that, that break down the silos and do whatever it takes, you know, to do things in the best interest of the customer. And, and also, that was the first part. And the second part is that a lot of organisations don't even treat their staff as customers. So they'll say, oh, yeah, the guy's in sales or the guy's in finance. And that, that, that barrier, whilst it is a huge cultural and teamwork and leadership piece, I think one thing that I, I do work a lot with is, is getting them to feel comfortable delivering internal customer service because ultimately what the customer sees on the outside of the organisation is a direct reflection of what's happening on the inside in some form. Yeah, exactly. And that's why when you go to somewhere like Disneyland, 
uh, all of that sort of stuff is seamless and you're not, you're everyone, all the departments are working cohesively uh, to, to give that experience to the end user slash visitor. Um, I know when I was there at the Disneyland in uh, California at Anaheim, it was mind blowing and just how organized, efficient, friendly, it was, it was the happiest place on earth. Um, <laughs> And I was fortunate to be there with my daughter on the 50th anniversary. That was a, it was a great year. They had lots of additional stuff they were doing. But, um, yeah, so if you were to give customer service-focused businesses, which they all should be, uh, what, are, what are some of the core things you would say that people need to start working on first uh, in terms of making improvements from where they are now? I'll start. There's a lot, but I'll, but I'll start yeah. with probably the, the the key basics, and I've and I've sort of started around these four basics, uh, and the programs evolve from there. But you, you mentioned in the introduction, uh, the, the my practice or business is called Dime Customer Service, and uh, just behind me here is the E of Dime, but the wall has all four <laughs> of them through. But but Dime is is an acronym that stands for Deliberate Interactions memorable experiences and if you just take those four things in isolation put them together it really is where businesses need to start and i'll, I'll just go through them uh you know 30 seconds on each yep. uh, deliberate is about intent consciousness being careful uh deliberately make customer service part of a business culture you know deliberately talk about it in meetings in briefings in reward and recognition programs in recruitment in training be deliberate. Everything happens for a reason. So that's the D. Uh, I, interactions. Uh, having meaningful human-to-human uh, -human connections with customer service interactions instead of transactions. Uh, so transactional mindsets are, you know, that next please, next please, next please. Yeah. They print transactions at the top of a receipt, uh, but having that interaction, that's the second part. Um, the M is about being memorable. And uh, look, memorable, to be memorable, uh, you effectively need to, and I hope, I don't know if there's any lawyers uh, watching this at the moment, but uh, you need to remove reason and logic uh, or, or the rational side of work to be memorable. Um, if things occur the way they're supposed to occur, nothing's memorable about that. It's as expected. So it's about dialing into your uh, processes, uh, procedures, um, the back end of your organization saying, well, what can we do that removes logic, that removes reason uh, and can be memorable so people can talk about it at family uh, barbecues. Uh, and, and the E, as you can see just behind me here, is that experience. And, and I know we've sort of glossed over service versus experience, but making your staff or your team be empowered to deliver a total brand experience at every touch point, including uh, the website, including uh, even the car park, the lighting, the signage, the um, what else? The, even the, the marketing material, uh, that consistency, the theming of, a, of an organisation, creativity. Um, the, the I've said physical and virtual environment, but just the systematic ways of serving uh, mm. creates that overall experience. And when you put all four together, uh, it really is the the secret recipe to um, to service excellence. Yeah, it's great. It's good good acronym. And uh, in my mind, customer service is, it's, it's a standard default that should be there all the time. But the experience side of things, the experiences are what makes people remember your business, either in a positive 
way or in a negative way. And people will talk about that in either form. And that's where people uh, and companies who are out there not working on this sort of stuff, they really have wasted all of their energy up to the point where they've been doing the, the marketing and the sales if all this falls over. And I know it's all interwoven from the whole the, the start to finish, uh, but often they, there seems to be much more of a focus on the marketing and sales than there is on the customer experience, in my viewpoint. And that's what stands out to me as a customer is that experience. Uh, yeah, so that's a good point because as, as you've defined, the experience is really whatever the customer perceives it to be. Every customer will take away their own experiences uh, yeah. from it. So it's about, uh, and you can't change that. So uh, it's about empowering staff. And that's why I only do service. You empower, but when I say service, you're empowering staff to not only be aware of how they interact, but also uh, to, to be aware of that physical environment, uh, all of the other things yeah. that that account to that experience or that contribute to that experience. It's about making them aware um, of, of, of all of that. Um, I also feel this whole business of, of you know, the journey uh, is, is, a, is a huge thing too because uh, people think of customer service or customer experience as a journey. Uh, I'm going to be a bit bold and say, look, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear the word journey is a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm packing, I'm going to Europe. Uh, uh, journey... Um, I know journeys can be pleasurable, but to me, if we keep thinking about things as a journey, 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 um, it, it's a long time. And even that journey for customer service, excellence, people think, oh, I'm going to go on a journey and then when I get to the end of it, I'll be exceptional or I'll have exceptional service. Whereas it's about starting off on day one, being exceptional uh, in everything we do, role modeling from the, from the start um, and doing things with customers that doesn't make it feel like a journey yeah you can call it a journey in your mind or map it as a journey in your mind but it, it, it ultimately is it, it shouldn't be thought of as a journey in, in that regard i think that's where yeah. your point, where where i think organizations sometimes go maybe go off course or off uh, or maybe misguided with this whole experience thing because um they overcomplicate it yeah and look living in where i do and some people know where i live in, in subiaco Subiaco has had a bit of a challenging time in the retail sector, and we're just talking about retail now as an, as an example. And uh, there's a main strip, uh, a retail strip on, called Rockaby Road in, in Subiaco, and there's been shops closing down over the last several years, like, you know, no tomorrow. <laughs> but there are ones that are also thriving, and there's an example uh, of one business, one particular retail food business in Subiaco, and there's a lot of coffee shops in Subiaco, but this little fish and chip shop opened up in Subiaco at basically the same time another one opened up. <laughs> now, the other one uh, that opened up is closed down, but the one that is still thriving and is always busy has all those qualities going on. Great customer service. They make you feel welcome and friendly, high quality of food, best, best fish and chips we've ever had in our life. So that's saying something. So often the, I think businesses are struggling and, and they often want to blame the economy. They want to blame other things. But really, if they had a closer look at what they're doing, it can often be them 
that is causing the problem and having a terrible customer experience is a quick death for a business, isn't it? Uh, you, you're certainly right, um, and I need. I'll, I'll, I'll go on from that exact example here. A couple of misconceptions uh, that organisations have. Firstly, as we've seen when it comes to Westfield, um, face-to-face is becoming a destination. Now, you mentioned Subiaco. Um, there's a place in the Perth CBD called Piccadilly Arcade. Yep. Um, and it looks like a, a derelict part of a, an abandoned town uh, because every, uh, you know, retailer when one retailer goes the next retailer will go and it's a domino effect and that might happen again in the gold coast in brisbane you know wherever um the 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 key thing there is that um people blame parking they blame you know trading they blame the economy um but if they offered a service experience as you've just said ed 100 but the key thing is is to offer it together so don't think of the Chinese restaurant next door versus my fish and chip store as being competitors. We both equally need to be delivering exceptional service. In fact, as an organisation, as a small business, they should be saying, hey, can we combine you know, the, the Chinese restaurant's funds, our fish and chip funds, and let's do some work together in customer service. Yeah. Make that that precinct so that customers go there and they say, right, oh, well, look, I feel like fish and chips tonight, so I'm going to go there. But, oh, the Chinese restaurant looks good too. It's buzzing. There's good atmosphere. And atmosphere is really everything. So I think if organisations stop thinking about it being a a dog-eat-dog world and blaming other things, um, as soon as one retailer goes next door, they think, oh, yes, there's no competition. Um, All the customers will come to me. But no, they won't. They're going to go to other places that offer that experience, that that destination where they can spend the whole afternoon or the whole day or the whole weekend. Um, so I, I think the competitive mindset needs to change slightly. And uh, yeah, such an important part about that overall experience there that especially for small businesses, if you work with them um, about working together uh, rather than against each other. Yeah, great example. I've seen some... Um uh, versions of that happen in other areas of Subiaco, not just on Rockaby Road, where they did that exact thing. Uh, they all, uh, about 10 businesses got together um, and made that sort of conscious effort to uh, share the, 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 the workload of getting, getting customers back into their space. Uh, but again, it all has to be done together because if one's let the side down, uh, then it can then have an effect on the rest. So that I think that would be a fairly challenging thing to pull off. I think it would be hard enough just getting your own business solidified and working properly, but trying to get 10 other businesses um, would be a challenge, So, but worth looking into, for sure. Mm. Let, let, just one other tip I, I could just think of then, and we're talking about Perth here. We've got a brand new stadium, 60,000 uh, you know, mm. capacity uh, for um, organised, for, 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 for patronage and um i'll give you just one example about that whole memorable that that rational decision making that doesn't work yeah. just imagine you had sixty thousand fans coming to the football um and after the football they want they want to go and have a beer or have some food so you've got sixty thousand fans effectively walking past your shop or your restaurant yet you've still got the sign out the front that says uh, no sportswear, no scarves, uh, no, um, no, no, no branded material or, or whatever, um, you know, th- because that's our dress code. We don't want to allow people to come in. And effectively, that's an example of a process where, 
you know, they, they, they've got the potential customers right in front of them. Um, and they, even this is one store, we're not talking about others together, but they have these processes that basically turn customers away. Um, that customer mm -hmm. then will say, well, then I'll go somewhere else. And they're walking right past. So um, it even boils down to that when there actually are customers there as well. Crazy, crazy. I mean, funnily enough, uh, Brendan and I are not football followers, <laughs> which we talked about in our last <laughs> podcast. We're one of the, we're the only two Australian males that don't follow uh, football, unless I don't know whether you do. The fact that you're talking about it probably means you do, Chris. I keep an eye on it. Brendan, I don't know, mate, you might be uh, an NRL, uh, or not even NRL, being nothing. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a muser. I'm a, I'm a drummer, so I don't pay attention to sport. But... Um, well, I, know, I know, Brendan, you're from Gold, the Gold Coast. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to get to the opening ceremony of the Games, the Commonwealth Games, uh, this year. And uh, oh, it was a, a lot to report from it, but spectacular to see the city light up for a sporting yeah. event. Yeah, yeah. Brent, Brendan's a bit of a javelin thrower, aren't you, mate? <laughs> so cool in the head. <laughs> I've no sports at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. So... And part of a good customer experience is having fun, isn't that right, Chris? You've got to have, got to have fun. Disneyland is all about fun. What's the point of having a customer experience that is serious? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, um, I, I think you, you, you're right there, and that's what the Disney Institute is all about. And even me, in my experiences spending about five years in the theme park industry, there's a lot we can learn. And I think um, organisations that 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 see their jobs too seriously, uh, you know, um, are at risk of becoming obsolete. But the one problem I've got here, and this is what all the listeners might be, or viewers might be thinking now, is that when it comes to customer service, people tend to take what I say and completely turn it into the, the most furthest opposite thing. For instance, you might have someone who's an accountant uh, watching this, this program now. And they're hearing me say, you've got to make the experience fun. Um, they'll take that to mean, oh, we've got to negate our legal obligations and our legal processes and do dodgy tax returns. Uh, that's what they honestly think. And yeah. I never said that. And I'm going to say it again that I didn't say that. But the point is, is people take things completely that if it's not, if it's actually saying it's not white, not black. It's black or white. It's grey. That's yeah. what customer service is. It's the grey part in the middle. Um, where you don't just be like Disney, but you can take some learnings from what Disney do and see how it will apply to your business. Because at the end of the day, the customer isn't, when they get their tax return done, they're not buying Disney. They want to buy the uniqueness and the authentic authenticness of um, that particular firm. Yeah, good good point. you still got to work within the, the rules of the, the business. So... Um, anything else, Brendan, that you have for Chris yeah. before we... Uh... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, we've talked about, you know, customer service is hard to, for people to wrap their heads around, particularly in business. Is, is there any... Do you have any, f like, frameworks for measuring customer service or you know, can we apply KPIs to customer service? Because it's hard to say, you know, internally in an organisation, it's, it's like, it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to numbers. Is there a methodology you have or a way to measure it that you can tie it back to, to numbers or stick, you know, something, some hard edges around it to say, mm -hmm. yes, we've improved. This is how, you know, we're 20% better or, or whatever. I mean, there's net promoter score. I don't know if there's any, any other way to, 
that customer service can be quantified, I guess, is, is my question. Absolutely, and it's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll give you, there's just two answers that I've got to, to give you to that. The first one is people tend to think of, uh, like a CEO will say, um, why is our bottom line not, you know, why is our bottom line red? Why is the bottom line not green? Uh, uh, what's going on with our bottom line? Um, the answer to the bottom line is on the front line. So uh, effectively, and I'm no finance expert, but effectively what happens on the front line, as we sort of said before, cascades in some form, which affects the bottom line. So the first thing to look at is not just be so results focused um, and focus on what's actually happening to, to the front line with customers. Um, there are some statistics out there that actually suggest that um, uh, organizations that have more suggestions from their staff effectively uh, have a better bottom line. Um, so the more that staff are suggesting from the front line, even though they all may not be implemented, it suggests that uh, the bottom line has more improvements because of what's happening from the front. Uh, but your second part of your question was about hard metrics and um, what I'll, I'll give you and your viewers are gonna be able to remember this because it's very easy to remember. When you look at DIME, under each of D-I-M-E, under each of those four areas, there are four uh, you know, rewards that you can, you can measure. Uh, when you're deliberate about service in your culture, your measurement is a return on investment on your staff um, or your team. Being uh, lower absenteeism, lower attrition, higher satisfaction, higher engagement. So that's a return on investment on your staff. That's the first R. Uh, the second R, when you create a human connection through customer service interaction, is, a, is repeat business and visitation. Uh, customers, when a relationship is formed, uh, will come back. Um, so you can uh, measure your the customers that are coming back. That's repeat business because you've interacted with them. That's the second R. When you are memorable, and I talked about talking to, uh, to your family about this at a barbecue, but when you do something memorable, uh, your, your customers are more likely to talk about you at family barbecues. And the third R, therefore, is recommendation through positive word of mouth. So your referrals or your recommendations is another thing to, to, to look for. Um, and the fourth one is that, that overall experience. Um, when you've got a brand like Disney who have that end-to-end -end experience, the fourth R is recognition. Uh, and th that includes things like, you know, winning industry awards, uh, delivering case studies at conferences, speaking about your organization at the conference when the competitor benchmarks against you, that's recognition. So, um, you know, being truly recognized as, you know, oh yeah, everyone thinks of service when it comes to Disney is that sort of fourth measurement there. So the four R's, uh, return, repeat, recommend, and recognize, um, they're probably the, the best way I could sum up um, some of the other metrics you can look at um, that aren't necessarily financial. Fantastic. Very, very cool. That's some great information. So, Chris, we've sort of come to the end of the time now. Damn. Um, yeah, I know I went so fast for you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we would like to thank you for coming on the show. It's been fantastic uh, having you. How can people get in touch with you? What's the, your preferred version of being contacted? Well, look, are most of your listeners um, in Australia? Majority of them are, okay. yes. 
Very good. Well, anyone really, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call it out right now. My mobile number zero four eight four three four six three two seven zero four eight four three four six three two seven. Give me a call. Um, uh, happy with that face to face emails easily. Chris at dimecustomerservice.com. Um, also, the, there's a website dimecustomerservice.com. Uh, no au, just .com. Um, and Brendan and I were chatting earlier on too, just to have a look at, at some of the things or case studies or relevant uh, stuff that I do. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel, so type in Chris Smoye, S-M-O-J-E, uh, pop that into YouTube and you can access um, uh, a bit of media, uh, you know, interviews that, that really bring to life um, customer service in relevant newsworthy times. So um, a number of ways to get in touch and... Um, yeah, I'm always open to the, to the conversation. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So there's some links. And yeah, get in touch with Chris if you've got a business that needs help with this, which is pretty much most. Um, have the starting point conversation with Chris and see where it goes from there. And uh, you know, any improvement to customer service, customer experience is a good thing in my book. So the organisations that are really good at service then call me too because I love working with the ones that are really good that want to keep moving forward. Uh, there's no end date, by the way. Well, no, no, no. Well, we talked about Disney. Walt Disney has been dead 52 years now and his organisation is still progressing, still moving. So. Yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, always room for improvement regardless of what level you are at. All right, guys. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Brendan. And thank you to the listener for tuning in to this episode of the Business Marketing Show. We'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher.